We're starting today a 12-sermon series through the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs has many more chapters than 12, but we're going to be focusing on uh, 12 messages from the book of Proverbs. And the first chapter of Proverbs lays out sort of the, the pretext for the goal of the book of Proverbs, which is wisdom given to a son by a father. So let's read Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. This is God's word. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Father, thank you now for this, your word. And the instruction here in the book of Proverbs as we begin a new series, a very practical series, Lord, that is meant to discipline us in wisdom, in the school of wisdom. We pray now for the illumination of the Holy Spirit to open up our hearts and our eyes to your truth, that we may be transformed by its power and sanctified, Lord, by your holy word. Visit us now, teach us now, transform us now. In the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, it's been said that knowledge is knowing what to say. Wisdom is knowing when to say it. We live in an interesting time in the world where we have access to all of the world's accumulated knowledge from the beginning and dawn of human history at the click of a button. But strangely, we're not wiser for it. We may have lots of information, but we're a foolish generation. Because in all of our seeking of knowledge, we have not sought wisdom. And so as we approach the book of Proverbs, we need to know that the book of Proverbs is part of the Bible's wisdom literature, along with Job and Ecclesiastes. So the Bible has different genres. Right? It's not all one book. It's actually a collection of 66 books. And the wisdom literature is Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes. And the fountainhead of Israel's wisdom literature is Solomon, King Solomon. In 1 Kings 3, God tells Solomon... When Solomon becomes king, God says, ask of me anything that you want. Whatever you want, you can ask of me. And Solomon says, specifically, he asks for a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. So wisdom is discernment, and discernment is wisdom. And the wisdom the book intends to impart to us uses Proverbs as a literary strategy. In other words, 
the way that the, the way that the book imparts wisdom to us is in Proverbs. Now, what's a proverb? A proverb is a short saying, like a, like a soundbite of practical truth um, that works by making a comparison, typically. And it leaves it to the reader to sort of work out how the proverb applies to different situations. And we actually use proverbs all the time. You've probably heard this one. You can lead a horse to water, but... Yeah, you can't make it to drink. Uh, Which means what? Does it have anything to do with ranching? Like, what's it about? I mean, someone throw it out there. You have my permission. What, What does it mean that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink? What's it mean? Yeah. You can tell someone what to do, but you can't force them to do it. They have to take the initiative themselves. Here's another one. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. What's that one mean? What's that? Yeah. It <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it means that um, a little precaution before a crisis occurs is preferable to a lot of fixing up afterward. Now, you may say, oh, okay, that's what it means. That's the application. No, the application is actually putting it into work. Like, uh, don't leave the house with the stove on. Yes, you may have fire insurance. uh, And yes, there may be a fire department down the street who can put the fire out. uh, But it's a whole lot better to not have to have your house burned down, right? So those are just proverbs, and we we use them all the time. And um, they're common. We say them, we use them, and they make sense. They make a comparison. Do this so that this doesn't happen. It's better to do this than this. Um, and, And that's how proverbs work. And so it's a literary strategy of the book to impart wisdom. It's short, and it's memorable. You know, stitching time saves nine. I mean, they're just, they're... Sometimes they rhyme, but they're, they're memorable. But the skill comes in applying it to life. And so our sermon series is called um, Wisdom for Godly Living, right? Because what good is wisdom if you don't apply it to your life? What good is knowledge if it does not enable you and give you a kind of skill in living? That's what we want. Okay, you know how Proverbs work, and how to interpret them, and how to apply them, but what is a biblical proverb? What's a biblical proverb? I just told you what a proverb is, now I'm gonna tell you what a biblical proverb is. A biblical proverb, here's an example, Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. In other words, a wise person chooses their words carefully but a fool is known by his many words. Here's another one, Proverbs 17 and 10. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Translation, wise people benefit from correction. Fools don't. 
So you can see that biblical proverbs are like regular proverbs, but they offer a lot more than common sense. Lane Dennis says, biblical proverbs offer skill in the art of godly living. That's what we need, and that's why the book of Proverbs was written, to help us, as God's people, be skillful in the art of godly living. Now, you may be thinking, oh, okay, so it's a book on manners. You'd be wrong to think that. It is not a book on manners. Rather, it offers a key to life by asking the question, is this wise or foolish? Is this decision, is this behavior wisdom or folly? That, that's really what the book of Proverbs wants us to do. It wants us to look at every action, whether it's family or gardening or finances or work, relationships, planning, farming, and it wants us to examine all of those things through this lens. Is this wise or is this foolish? And so the wisdom offered in the book of Proverbs is practical. It's incredibly practical. Number one, it's practical. It is intellectual. It is moral and it's for all peoples. It's practical because in verse three it says it gives us instruction in wise dealing. So in our day-to-day dealing with people and situations, it gives us instruction. So it's practical. Secondly, it's intellectual, because verse five says, we, when we listen to the voice of wisdom, we increase in learning. Third, it's moral. We can grow in, according to verse three, righteousness and justice and equity. And so wisdom doesn't just sort of help you make better decisions. If you are following biblical wisdom, you are growing in all these areas. You are growing practically, intellectually, morally, and it's for everyone. Wisdom is just not for people uh, who are wise. Look, it's for, in verse four and five, it says, it's for the simple, the youth, right? Young people as they grow in knowledge and understanding of the word, the world, and it's for the experienced. And so wisdom's voice calls out to everyone across the spectrum. So you may be old and maybe you have wisdom, but wisdom says you still have yet more to learn. And wisdom says to the young person, listen to the voice of wisdom here. Don't make foolish decisions because life can be a manifestation of wise decisions or foolish decisions, and foolish decisions cause a lot of pain. Now some of us who are a little older, we know that. If we've made foolish decisions in our lives, we look back with regret. And we wish we were wiser. We wish someone would, I mean, how many of you have had this experience? Oh, I wish someone would have told me when blah, 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 blah. When I started this job, or when I, when I moved to this new area, or when I got married, or when I started having kids, I wish someone would have told me blank. That's, that's, the past you crying out to the future wishing that someone would have imparted some wisdom to you. My son, I I say to him a lot, uh, Josiah, 
when he's about to make a decision that I don't think is wise. Josiah, the 40-year-old you is crying out from the future <laughs> and begging you not to do this. I have had to say that many times, my son, <laughs> because, I, because the 20-year-old the me you know, wished someone would have said those things to me. But here's the deal. To take the instruction in, in Proverbs and develop an increasing sensitivity to that which is practically, intellectually, and morally wise requires what kind of heart posture do you think? So to develop practically, right, an increasing sensitivity to the practical, intellectual, and moral wisdom offered in the book of Proverbs, what do you think, what, what kind of heart posture do you think it requires of us? Humility, yeah. It requires humility because it requires us to acknowledge that we do not have all the answers. It requires us to acknowledge that we still need to learn more. We still need to grow more. It requires us really to acknowledge that we're not God. And you know, that's hard for some people. Some, many people wouldn't articulate it that way. I refuse your wisdom because I think I'm God, but their actions essentially manifest that. Becoming wise requires humility because you're learning a skill. And in that sense, you're like an apprentice. How many of you have ever been an apprentice on a job before? Or in, maybe learned an instrument as an apprentice? Yeah, it required, to, to, if you learned a skill, didn't it require humility? Didn't it require you to recognize that the journeyman or the expert or the person with all the expertise, that you had to become a learner and be humble and recognize that you didn't really know what you were doing. It requires humility because you're learning a skill. And any good apprentice requires humility to acknowledge that they don't know it all. The fool, on the other hand, is the one who's completely unteachable and has nothing to do with age. Now, it is true that younger people seemingly tend to make more foolish decisions because they're learning and they're growing, but a fool is not bound to a certain age bracket. You can be a fool at 20, 60, or 90. A fool is unteachable. The fool spends more time talking than listening because he thinks he has more to impart than to learn. The fool is incredibly opinionated because he is always so certain that what he knows, he knows with absolute certainty. The fool is proud because part of his condition is ignorance to how much he really doesn't know. And the fool rarely asks questions. Wisdom also requires discipline. Why, why discipline? Besides humility, it requires discipline. Because the first instinct may be the wrong one. I have experienced this for myself. The whole go with your gut does, does not work for me. 
That is not, that this just does not work for me because go with your gut often means, you know, just doing the wrong thing. I have to discipline myself and catch my emotions and catch my thoughts and recognize that if I'm gonna grow in wisdom, I have to recognize that there's probably a better decision than the one my instinct wants to make. Because instincts are often driven from emotions, right? And you know, your emotions can make you make, make, you make the wrong decision. The person who lacks discipline in the book of Proverbs is called the simple. So as we move to the book of Proverbs, you're gonna, you're gonna see these different players. There's the wise, the fool, the simple, the scoffer. There's all these characters in the book of Proverbs. The simple is empty-headed. He's aimless, inexperienced, drifting into temptation. And when he graduates from being simple, he becomes a fool. Derek Kidner says, the simple and his elder brother, the fool, is no halfwit. He's a person whose instability could be rectified but who prefers not to accept discipline in the school of wisdom. Humility and discipline, two things that are in short supply in our society today. And here's, the, here's what's instructive for us. Humility and discipline aren't mental conditions. People who lack these two things, it's not because there's something mentally wrong, it's a spiritual condition. Humility and discipline, these are spiritual conditions. In Genesis three, Adam and Eve sinned disobeying God and eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But her motivation was the desire for wisdom. The problem was Eve's pursuit of knowledge and wisdom didn't flow out of the fear of the Lord. So there's a lot of wisdom out there. There's worldly wisdom, which the Bible says does not produce the righteousness of God, right? I mean, uh, you can be streetwise, like if you're in the mob, and you know, you can really play that game really wise according to that whole world, but it's not godly wisdom. And so the Bible wants us to direct us toward God's wisdom, the wisdom that is delivered from heaven, not the world's wisdom. And to do that, you have to have the fear of the Lord. In fact, the doorpost that stands above the threshold of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so this journey we're about to take over the next 12 weeks requires us to acknowledge the Lord in fear and reverence. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In this regard, knowledge and wisdom are very closely tied together. But it requires the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the book of Proverbs theological and epistemological foundation. In other words, it's the source of all knowledge. 
in the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord, it is the starting point, the chief thing, the principal thing, the fear of the Lord. Without the fear of the Lord, you cannot rightly acquire God's wisdom. Without the fear of the Lord, you cannot grow in wisdom. And without the fear of the Lord, the wisdom you think you have is really grounded in foolishness. What the alphabet is to reading, notes to reading music, and numerals to mathematics, the fear of the Lord is to attaining wisdom. The person who doesn't fear the Lord actually despises wisdom. That's why the very next verse says, fools despise wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. Why don't people fear the Lord? Because of arrogance. Because they think they're above instruction, or they're too good for it, or they're too busy for it, or they don't feel the need for moral cleansing. That's one of the things that the wisdom in the book of Proverbs does, is it cleanses us morally, because it shows us that many of our decisions are grounded in sinful foolishness. Many of our impulses, our instincts, are not grounded in the wisdom of God, but the appetites of the flesh. The fear of the Lord is openness to God and eagerness to please Him, humility to be instructed by God. The fear of the Lord is willingness to turn from evil and change. The fear of the Lord is surrender to His will. The fear of the Lord is when we realize I'm not the measure of all things, I'm being measured. I'm not the measure of all things. I'm being measured. The fear of the Lord opens up the higher meaning of money and sex and power and everything across the landscape of our lives. Because everything points to higher spiritual realities. And this is really where heaven and earth come together because it's a demonstration to us that... <clears throat> There is not this hard divide between sacred and secular. What wisdom shows us in the book of Proverbs is that everything we do in our lives has the potential to glorify God because everything we do in our lives has a higher spiritual meaning. Whether it's washing the dishes as a part of the chores you do as a member of the team of your family and household, to how you balance your checkbook, to how you treat your wife or your husband or your children, or children how you obey your parents, or how hard you work on your, your schoolwork and your tests. All of those things have a higher spiritual meaning. And it's good for us to know as we look at the book of Proverbs that heaven and earth are really brought together. As God shows us that there is a wise way and a foolish way of doing everything you do every single day that can glorify God. It's not just praying and reading your Bible and coming to church that glorifies and pleases God. It's the way we govern our daily affairs. And the fulcrum point of God's glory is whether we choose the way of wisdom or the way of foolishness. That's the point at which God is glorified. The fear of the Lord is not needing someone to follow us around with a list of do's and don'ts. 
Because when you fear the Lord, you want to do what's right. Because you're motivated from deep within. And this is a demonstration also that when wisdom is formed in you, deep character is formed in you. People who have deep character make wise choices. People who have deep character make wise decisions. People who have deep character can make a decision that may mean their current suffering for future gratification. It takes character to do that. The fool doesn't have a lot of character. He wants what he wants, she wants what she wants right now. And by doing that, they often forfeit the blessing of the future, which is often a greater reward, a greater yield. The fear of the Lord molds our character in deep love for all that is holy and true and right. And the fear of the Lord is where we begin our journey into wisdom. And Jesus is the one who guides us in this journey because in him, Colossians 2 and 3 says, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, the Christian life is really the pursuit of wisdom. And Jesus Christ is really the manifestation of the wisdom of God. Jesus' decisions, his very being and essence and all of his teaching is the epitome of wisdom. So when we think about what it means to live wise, we ought to look to Jesus as the one we ought to follow in this journey into wisdom. Is your life hidden in Christ this morning? Are you following Jesus? Are you trusting in Jesus as Savior and Lord, or are you trusting in yourself? Are you hoping that somehow you will tip the scales of eternal salvation by sort of just doing more good things than bad things? Or are you following the one who has been invested with all of the wisdom of God, who all of his teaching, all of his preaching, his very life and existence exudes what it means to live in the fear of God? Because if not then all of your pursuits are ultimately folly. Let's pray. Father, now we thank you for this message as we begin a journey through the book of Proverbs. We certainly have not all made wise decisions all the time. There have been foolish decisions that we regret and decisions that we've needed to repent of, even some of us right now, this moment. Lord, I pray that you would open up your divine wisdom as we move through this sermon series and let us be transformed by it. Let us learn and grow in knowledge that our hearts may develop deep character. That when people see us and our profession of faith as Christians, they would see us as wise people they would be able to, to recognize and seek us out for advice, not because in and of ourselves we are anything special, but because we communicate the wisdom and knowledge of God which is from heaven and not from this world. Transform us now, Lord, through the person and work of 
the one who was himself wisdom, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen.